We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. <laughs> How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you uh, for a rather, rather jubilant edition of the Knicks Film School podcast. Feels a little weird to say that because I'm old enough to remember when a game one series victory was not something to be celebrated. It was something to be expected. Um, my co-host, of course, knows very little of such things because he is a much younger man than I. So, uh, Jeremy Cohen, I will ask you with the benefit of youth and perhaps some naivety on your side. How are you feeling today? It's uh, by the way, I should say it's Sunday night as we are recording this. Woo! Woo! Let's go. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling, John. That was incredible. It was exhilarating. You know, after after the watch party, uh, Kevin Danishevsky, fan of the pod, he said that was the best Knicks game he's ever seen. And I saw, I was, wow. heard him, and I was like, "Yeah, you like, I hear you. That's like for sure." He's like twenty two, though, right? Uh, somewhere around there. Whereabouts? Yeah, twenty five, maybe. But okay. even still, um, I was thinking, like, yeah, okay, all right, sure. And I thought about, it, I was like, wait, that. No, that actually that might be the best Knicks game I have also seen in in you know since I've been a fan for twenty years. Because going back, it's like, well, it wasn't twenty twenty one when the Hawks game happened because the Knicks were already down one nothing, yeah, and it wasn't in twenty thirteen when the Knicks beat the Pacers because they were already down, right? Yeah, it and was they were, well, they were favored at least. Yeah, so, and they were they were so I think well, I'm trying to remember going back to the Celtics series. They, they were, were I they mean were favored, they were favored right? But like it was still the it was like the last vestiges of like that Celtics team. So there was a little bit of like, uh, oh, the Celtics gonna give us problems, and then But that was the that was the thing. The clincher felt more like relief than it did we got this. You know, they wear the okay, all black, yeah, no, they, the, yeah, they roll yes. into Boston like a funeral. Yeah. And games one and two, just again, it felt like those were games you should be winning anyway. Be game winning. three yep. as well. Nice. So you have to then go back further than that. And it's kind of silly to think that the Knicks winning against Miami to stave off elimination for their first win in over 10 years, uh, that that was a big thing because oh, there was confetti ridiculous. on the floor. <laughs> the confetti. But at the same time, it's like, well, again, it's still three to one. You're not going to overcome LeBron James. It's not going to happen. And then I, I don't really remember a lot of playoff experiences that happened between then and say 2002. Uh, so this had to have been the best one and it certainly felt good and it was great to watch it among a lot of people. And yeah, it was a great one. So I'm, I'm glad it was a, so shout out to everybody who went to the watch party at Penn six. Um, I, I, from the videos uh, of the event, I could tell you guys had a, a grand time. Um, and for anybody wondering, there's no other watch party currently scheduled. We will um, hopefully, hopefully be able to do another one of these things. Um, the Knicks will have to 
cooperate and maybe stick around the playoffs for a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about that on the show. I think it is. I think it is the biggest Nick win. I, I don't want to completely gloss over 2013. Um, because I, I understand this is different than what I asked you. What I asked you was like, in terms of like how you're feeling after the victory, that's a little bit different than like biggest wins because you know, the Pacer series in 2013 did still go, you know, six games on like, you know, game two was a big game to try to get that series back on the rails. I, I, I Maybe, maybe one of those two wins in that series, but it, mm, I don't know this one, the way they did it. And obviously the fact that it was on the road um, and, you know, we're going to talk about kind of some plays in the fourth quarter that stood out, but it had a vibe uh, for me personally. It's the best I've felt about um, a win since 2000 uh, game seven against the heat in the Eastern conference semifinals, which will perhaps come up again in the show. So feeling pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pretty to, good. to go back to the original question, I'm feeling very good about this. Uh, this is a high quality win. I would have been happy with just one of two, right? There's still another game oh. to be played, so we'll see. But if you had told me, all right, the Knicks could then walk out of Cleveland with no wins, I would have thought tough, but it's not it's not gone yet. There's still the majority of the games are going to be still in New York configured. Well, let's stick with that. We don't, for have, a we don't have to worry about that though. That's yeah, the beauty yeah. of it. No, let's stick with that for a second. Cause we, we talk often about on this show um about changing moving goalposts and and what have you. Uh I feel like there's already a sentiment. Maybe it, maybe it's just Robert Cross always being in my ear, uh, but I, it's not, I don't think it's just him. I do feel like that there's already a sentiment of like, man, if they could, if they could come out and like, you know, mean it from the tip off in in game two, you know, all the pressures on Cleveland. I'm, I, I'm not there right now. But then again, I'm I'm Debbie Downer. I think uh, so. I don't I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, but like, I I'd like to see a. Another, you know, I'd like to see a hard fourth game in game two. It'd be, it'd be great if it came down to the fourth quarter. Obviously, if it comes down to the very end and they lose, we're, we're going to be sitting here and you could contextualize it all you want. We're going to be disappointed. I'm not expecting a win. I'll say that. Um, I, boy, would I be pleasantly surprised. But yeah, I'm not expecting a win. Well, the whole thing and I, what I was disappointed with when we recorded was I didn't want the feeling to be hopelessness because it really was not that. It was really just respecting the Cavs as a great team. Yeah, but what was lost in that a bit, and you know, I should have done a better job. Of this the Knicks are still a great team, yeah, and so they're well matched. They're, the games are really fun. We have seen. I mean, the Knicks have won four straight games against the Cavs this season, and the game yep. that they lost was inspired by Kevin Love, who is no longer on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Quentin Grimes wasn't playing, and the whole beginning of the season was quite a mess. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Where it's just like you saw how close that game got and it could have swung one way or the other fortunately it swung the way of the Knicks hopefully it continues to go that direction but it just goes to show how neck and neck these teams are that makes it such a fun competitive series but to us it's fun because we're the ones who can say our team is 1-0 and Cavs fans are not able to do that yeah and like if I was a Cavs fan right now I'm not sure I'd be quaking in my boots Um, I I think the most significant thing to come out of well, I think there are a few things, maybe that's significant things to come out of Cleveland in game one for, for starters. I do think as many, as we and many others um, highlighted before the series started, the lack of depth uh, is, is a real thing. Now, do I expect Karis LeVert to shoot one of seven again? He's the big one that stands out for me because that guy, he's, he, I mean, he, but he runs hot and cold. So like, you're going to get the one of seven and then the next night you're going to get, you know, eight of 12 or whatever it is. So like Karis Levert will, will have a game. Do I think Evan Mobley is going to go four of 13 again? I think he will continue to ease his way into the series in a positive way. So I, I do think you're going to get better contributions while probably maintaining positive contributions from um, the likes of, of Mitchell and Garland, at the same time, you flip that on its head and it's like, well, wait a minute. The Knicks can count on some better contributions from some of their players as well. And just to go back to our the show that we did, and I want to add some 
one other thing too about that. The thing I wanted to mention is like, yes, the Cavs are a great team, but I also, and I'm going to spin this into a positive. So just give me a second. I don't think I actually said out loud in that show that we did at least that I didn't, for for as much as I thought there were some ways in which the Knicks did match up with the, the Cavs pretty well. I also thought there was a very significant way that we did not match up well, which is that the Knicks don't have that one, ideally two, but at least one big time apex wing defender that just screws everything up uh in ter- and, and if you're going and ideally two-way wing you know your tatums and your Kawhis and your kds and your lebrons and lucas and all of i could go through the list Knicks don't have one of those guys that is the way that you screw up a team that is built around two small guards on both ends of the floor the Knicks don't have that and the one guy that the Knicks had that's kind of closest to that is rj barrett who we expressed our fears. Um, sorry, Andrew's reminding me that Luka Doncic is not a two-way wing. I Thank you, Andrew, very much for that. Sorry for sneaking his name in there. My goodness. <laughs> the voice <laughs> of God. My Luka love knows the mouth. Anyway, I'm, I'm going on and on. The point is, we don't have that guy. And because we didn't, I that was a lot of where my doubt came from. What I had forgotten is that this team has shown over the course of the season in like long stretches, not consistently over the whole season, but consistently enough for long enough stretches that I shouldn't have forgotten this. They are capable of being a dynamic defensive team that could really screw up what you want to do, even with their perhaps imperfect personnel. And I think when you combine that, the fact that we saw them reach back and defend like we know that they are capable of, or at least I I think I thought that they were capable of, and I maybe forgotten it. Combine that with the fact that the the guys who didn't shoot it very well, to say nothing of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, probably are going to shoot it better, I think. Like, I think there's a lot of positivity on New York side, too. So I'm, I I don't say that I'm overconfident, but I'm definitely feeling a lot more confident than I was before game one. Well, you didn't even have to say anything about the, the, I mean, forget about the two-way wing, just an elite defender, elite wing defender, because I brought it up because I had mentioned that I was worried that this series was going to be exposing what the Knicks don't have, which is exactly that archetype, which they tried to find in Cam Reddish and didn't work out, which it's not, that's not what RJ Barrett's bread and butter is. So there still is, well, but that's right. So, but then you have someone stepping up like Josh Hart who is a very good defender who, I mean, he hits a, a, he hurts his ankle and then hits a pull up three as the buzzer is about to go off. Wow. Just incredible. I got to tell you the, the 23rd pick in the draft of 2023 didn't make a single shot last night. So, (laughs) you know, you live and you learn, but the best line coming out of your mouth. I'm sorry. (laughs) That is, that is like peak. Thank you. Thank you. So that is elite. (laughs) (laughs) And it's still, it's still early, right? Even if, this series does not expose that. We know it's something the Knicks still need to yes. configure one way they or another. Yeah. Um, but they're doing everything else really well. And John, yeah, again, the the stat that I and only I was responsible for, defensive rebounding. Cavs. <laughs> Nobody else said it. No one else said it. You were all over. Everyone was Where? thinking it, but no one was brave enough to say it. Where but I did. I did. Drop, drop uh, the ball. Yeah. You know, so it, it's... Uh, I agree though. It's I'm at the point where it's like you can see there are three games left, three wins left. That's all you need, and yet there's only one, and that you have in your pocket, and there are six games to be played. And it's hard for me not to get ahead of myself. It's hard for me not to look at Giannis Antetokounmpo has hurt his oh. back and is missing time. Tyler Harrow, Tyler Hero has broken his hand. Broke like his hand. I, but I can't do it. I'm, as tempting as it is, I'm not there. The like. I just can't do it because then I will just feel like you have to focus on the competition in front of you. And they're still a very good team as we have discussed. So worry about later, later worry about now, now. Um, The defeatist Knicks fan PTSD guy in me was thinking last night. I think I said this on the post game, like, okay, all we have to do is get um, one. uh, What did I say? No, yeah, two two more two more victories, and then we get to a a game seven. 
Um, you know, so it's like you go, hold on, that's not what you said. Jeremy, I'm actually gonna need you for this. Wait, so what, did I say? what you oh, wait, said no, I, was I, no, I, I said so I know what you're gonna bring up. I was making a different point, but keep going. You what you said was like all we need to do is win one of the next three. And it gets us to two two after four. That's so like minimal. Like, how about this? Let's take two of the next three. All you have to do is win three of the next six, and you're Here's in the conference, the and you're in the next round. What I was, I was fumbling this, but I want to get to a game seven. That was my my goal before the series was like, just get it to game seven. Anything could happen in game seven. I still am in, of the mindset like, let's just get it to a game seven. Um, yeah, and I think, jump out the window yet, Jeremy? Hasn't see, jumped out the window. See, listen, I pick Cavs in seven, and. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waffle. Not because I don't have more confidence in the Knicks than I did beforehand, but just I, I made my prediction and I'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not at the point where it's like just get us to seven. I'm at the point you've got one. Go get the other three. Now go go. Now go win. Go get, and don't actually forget about the other three. Go get the next one. Just get the one. The Keep building one. one by one. That's it. We can worry about seven if we get to the point where it's seven. So now, now I'll give you confidence, John. Um, first of all, ro- winner. of Road game one. If the road team wins game one, they win more than half of the series throughout NBA history. And I wasn't able to find a stat that let me know eight versus one, seven versus two. But I have to think specifically in four or five matchups or maybe four or five and like six, three matchups. Like I, I would have to think the percentage is even better, but they win more than half the time. And then here's the fun one. And this is just kind of quirky. It doesn't, it's not this positive of anything, but uh, the Knicks. Since the 50s, so starting with basically the championship core and moving forward, um, have gone up, uh, have won the game one on the road uh, a dozen times throughout that time period. And they have um, won the series nine of those dozen times. The only three losses happened at the hands of Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, and as Andrew (laughs) recalls very well, David Stern, <laughs> shout out 1997. Uh, we're not giving the Heat any credit for that. That was all David Stern. Uh, so yeah, historically as a franchise, they do pretty well in these situations, including, by the way, funny enough, twice against Cleveland, this has happened. They have won game one on the road um, twice against the Cavs, and they've gone on and actually swept the Cavs in both of those instances. Um, back when it was best of three and then best of five. Anyway... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think we should be feeling pretty good. I, I don't begrudge you for like, hey, let's go get the next one because I they should have that mentality. I'm sure that will be their mentality. I don't expect them to come out and like not play with the same intensity. Um, it's just, you know. It's these I think these are two evenly matched teams. That's all. I think these are two evenly matched teams. Agreed. And I'll say that so far. First first blood's been drawn. <laughs> yes. First blood has been drawn. All right. So we are going to give out a uh, game ball on a detention. How does this work? We, 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 how, who gets to go first? I'm very confused. I would imagine I get to go first because I won the season series. So what do you just get to go first in perpetuity now? Yes. Because here's the thing. I won the season series. We didn't get a chance to do this because the season ended and we didn't connect until Friday. But congratulations to Jeremy. I said Cohen. congratulations to you him. You tweeted it. You tweeted it. You yeah, did. but now we're on the pod together and you could say it to his face. I thought I said it. I didn't say it. Not yeah. yet. This is the first time we get to acknowledge that. That is that's second that's year in a row. That's an oversight. Predictions champion. That's an oversight. Congratulations, Jeremy. Thank you. Two for two. It's, it's impressive. Thank you. Back yeah. to back. Oh. I would I would have a speech prepared, but um, I'm going to let my winning do the talking. Mm, the Tim Duncan approach. Mm-hmm. You're you're a 16 game player, Jeremy. That's all there is to it. That's <laughs> 16 week player, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many weeks. 25, something like too, that. Too many. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I'll be curious where you go with this one. Um, uh, so give out a game ball. We this is the thing. Uh, we don't even have a. Uh, we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit because usually we'd have the well, rundown Andrew, players and, and you know who's not a 16 Andrew's game player. Unbelievable. And, and, Andrew Claudio is not a 16 game player. Completely dropped the ball. Usually gives us all sorts of candidates. Nope. Well, not this tonight. is an easy one. Don't worry. I I know who I'm going with. It's going to be Josh Hart. Josh Hart deserves the game ball. I mean, just talk about a performance. We often talk about playoff experience and how that impacts players. Uh, Josh Hart's what twenty eight years old, 
first playoff game. You wouldn't is know. He 28? Is he, uh, yeah, yeah, you might be right on that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a 95 baby. So just the fact that he was able to put all that aside, you got, you know, Grimes obviously had some of his difficulties. That was his first playoff game. Uh, Mitchell Robinson wasn't maybe doing his best first playoff game as well. So to put that in perspective of what Hart in his first game, setting everything aside, the effort, the impact, the rebounding, the transition. I mean, the Knicks really excelled in transition this game. Um, I think cleaning the glass out of them is like the 98th percentile. So on a night where they just really were not shooting the ball well, that was where they flourished. And that's just something Josh Hart does. He's just phenomenal in transition. Uh, Heart and soul in a lot of ways, no pun intended or pun intended. Take it over you want. Of this team in so many ways, closing every single game when he's healthy, just which is every single game pretty much. So he's got to have it. He's got to have the game ball. And I'm so happy he's a Nick. Uh, well said. Uh, none to add there. Uh, other than just it was clear he was the player of the game before the a shot that we're going to talk about again mm-hmm. in, in a moment. Um, and then he hit the biggest shot of the game and maybe in quite a bit longer. Um, I... The the easy choice here is Jalen Brunson. Um, it's funny, twenty seven points in a road playoff victory doesn't sound that crazy, right? Well, we talked about important, you know, big wins and this and that over the course of uh, recent history. Uh, no, Nick has had twenty seven points in a road playoff victory since uh, nineteen ninety nine. Latrell Sprewell was the last one that did it, and in fact, um, there throughout the entire course of of Nick history, there have only been um, uh, do do before Jalen Brunson. There have only been ten players to do it, and you know all the names. Um, they are all legends, and uh, Jalen Brunson adds himself to that list. I'm not choosing Jalen Brunson though. Um, I'm choosing I'm I'm choosing Julius Randle. Randle, uh, look, we don't know how hurt he was. Um, we can choose to believe the what the Knicks told us, which is that he wasn't taking contact as of two days before this game. Uh, I'll believe it. I'll believe it that he wasn't taking contact. Now, were they being like extra, extra, extra cautious? And they knew all the well, the while they're like, well, he doesn't really need to take contact. There's no reason to risk it, but he's going to be good to go. Whatever. It's neither here nor there. That dude turned his ankle something fierce a couple weeks ago. And there was a lot of prognostications and what have you that, oh, we're not seeing Julius Randle. We're not seeing Julius Randle in round one. Um, now again, that was a lot of guesswork because we didn't, you know, nobody knows, but the fact that he came out and not only played in that game, but exerted his will by, by way of physicality on the game. And then to say nothing of the fact that he came out and scored, I believe it was what 16 points in the first half in a half that the aforementioned Jalen Brunson was in foul trouble. cannot, praise that enough and and how necessary all of those points were and for him to kind of shoulder the load there and uh so yeah he's gonna get my game ball you knew he had to have been in some level of discomfort if mr first quarter was not even able to play the entire first quarter absolutely but i really actually liked what it inspired which was julius subbing into the second quarter beating up on the bench for, for a larger extent, I mean, you know, the Cavs still played a lot of their starters heavy minutes, of course, but there was a different dynamic there than we were accustomed to. And I thought that's, that's kind of nice. Cool. But even still, just the sheer dominance, the that was the big fear of mine. If he's not playing, how do you, especially in a night when the Knicks weren't shooting the ball well, the attention that was focused there um, and, and the defense just gravitating towards him. Yeah. Whereas if you they needed that, and this isn't disrespect to Obi, who I thought had a really nice game, right. wonderful game, right? Like that's just not who he's going to be. And so it's just a different offense that's being run. So it was great to have him back there. Great that he's healthier. You know, Knicks don't play till Tuesday and then they have off until Friday. So there's time there for him to heal, for him to rest up and get better. I think that's a great choice as well as I, you know, Brunson, I think would have been maybe an obvious target, but yeah, I think the game. fact that he was limited, right. But the fact that he was limited by those uh, three first half fouls and then none in the second half, which that was even uh, better. 
I, I like the fact that you went with Randall. I think it's a good call. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants delivery just two minutes also eating vegan or veggie is a snap with factor each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't and if you're looking to mix it up you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week get factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle simply choose and enjoy fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door don't hesitate head to factormeals.com slash film school 50 and use the code film school 50 to get 50 percent off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Which leads us to detention. Which, um, I mean, Andrew didn't do candidates for this. I think in light of the fact that Quinn Grimes not only played pretty outstanding defense, as far as I could tell, throughout the entire night and then hit two, I mean, just you can't say enough about the clutch free throws he hits to ice the game. I don't think he's a candidate. Um, I don't think anybody else that is not an obvious, like everybody, you know, Mitch rough first half came back, played well, Hardenstein, good game. Like you just said, Obi, good game. All the usual, you know, there's two guys, right? Uh, it's Manuel quickly and RJ Barrett. Are there any other candidates for this? Jeremy, what do you think? I don't, but see, here's the tricky part for me, right? Every player where you could say, where you could point to something they did wrong. You could say yes, but yes, but yeah. And it's not like there's one player that, I agree stands out where we could, you know, quote unquote, pick on them as the person who deserves detention. But if we are looking at the nine players who played and if we have to pick someone who fits into the detention box, and we each pick. Then, yeah, those are this is a long way of saying those. What? Can we call Andrew up for an audible here? Is this the idea of not doing a detention because the Knicks won a game and when the Knicks go undefeated, we don't have it. What's up? I, Jeremy makes a great point because even the players can we can you also agree as Jeremy did there's only two candidates for this right I love that this is how the the conversation has gone by the way that if even if you want to get out of detention they won so and yes it's those two guys I agree with you Emmanuel quickly had the, as bad an offensive game as you'll ever seen him play and yet defensively 
I mean, the the clip has been going around him snatching and apps. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know how we got that rebound from Jared Allen. Like all the little Emmanuel Cookley things that he does, certainly on the defensive end, were there. RJ, we're going to talk about RJ in a bit, but let's suffice it to say for now, did not have a, a, a top to bottom bad game. He shot it very poorly and it was one bad turnover. So, like, I don't know. Do we have to? I feel bad giving out a detention this week. All right. Audible. Two more game balls. Go. <laughs> All right. I already sang uh, Jalen Brunson's praises, so I'll give it to him. I'm okay, curious where you go with this. This is tough. It's, it There's is like tough. There's like three or four guys who can get this. It is. Um, but you know what? I, I'm i going to go with Isaiah Hardenstein. Really? I, re- I am. I really okay. am. Well, think I, about this. Tell me why. An underreported thing, in my opinion, this was actually a revenge game for him. This is a revenge series. <laughs> he was a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> I forgot that. It's easy to forget. He had a cup of coffee with them, but just, he was drafted by Houston, right? If, if, yes, yes, he, he was he drafted, drafted by Houston. Then he went to a cup of coffee with Cleveland, and then yeah. L.A. Okay, yeah. So when Mitch didn't have it, Hartenstein did, and yeah. it seems that that has been a consistent theme for whenever Mitch doesn't have it. That Hartenstein's right there, and we know that he's played eighty-two games. Now he's played his eighty-third, the first, the eighty-third being in the playoffs. He's he's just so he's like he's old reliable, right? Like you know what you're getting from him. And even when he doesn't have the impactful games, you can still feel it. And there's just something about the way that in a game where Mitchell Robinson did not have it was his first playoff game, you have Hartenstein coming in, who, by the way, really didn't have much playoff experience as no. well, right? Because this was his because they had the Clippers had the play-in game last yeah, year to, and then they did play in. That's it. Right. Yeah. So for him to step up and also play the way he has with limited experience, I thought was fantastic. Um, the floater still opens up so much more that's available. It just and, and one more thing I want to say going back, because this, this isn't my guy, but because you talked about Randall, that offensive rebound at the end was just so Hardenstein. No, no. I, we're going, sorry, oh, I, just, I wanted to backtrack. Oh, yeah, it, it dawned on me with the whole rebounding with Hardenstein. Just, yep. I mean, that, that uh, it clinched it. I mean, second, Grimes, of course, had to hit the free game. throws, but right. It's, it's just huge. But back to Hardenstein, thinking of the rebounding factor, just what the consistency he provided. I just, I feel that that's worthy of another game ball. So uh, much was uh, the praise for Tibbs has been pretty universal, but the one nitpick uh, is that left RJ in couple of possessions maybe too long but it wasn't only Grimes for RJ that he made with that sub it was Hardenstein for Mitch and I think after the Knicks had turned the ball over on a couple of straight possessions and then another one they, they didn't get a great shot um, so like again that shows you how vital Tom Thibodeau thinks Isaiah Hardenstein is to have another guy that is reliable enough that like, look, if my point guard needs to dump it off to him at the top of the arc, it's not, you know, because and, and don't forget a few, I forget when exactly it was, but there was that possession where Mitch had the ball around like the top of the arc. And it was like, it felt like an eternity. It was probably only about five or six seconds, but like people were like running around like, okay, pass the ball. I like, couldn't get rid of the ball. Yep. So that was, yeah. Um, you're not going to have that issue with Isaiah Hardenstein. It's, I like it. It's a good pick. Thank you. I think so. Yeah. Too. I liked your pick. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, a lot of, a lot of praise. To go. You win a road playoff game against a team that has the second best net rating in the league. A lot of praise to go around. Okay. Um, we'll do this one quick. I, I think it's going to be a short discussion because I'm pretty sure we're on the same page. Uh, I brought this up. Josh Hart's shot the three pointer to put the Knicks back up two after they had fallen behind, after they had. What was really like a, it was in the it had gotten down to five before the Brunson step back. But for all intents and purposes, that felt, that was like an eight to ten point lead for the most of the fourth quarter. And they lost it. Um, and then hard uh, hearts three puts them back up to. I think it's the biggest shot at least since 1999. Now, I'm not, we're not going to touch the Houston shot or the LJ four-point play. The shot that, and this is unfair, and we uh, Andrew may need to come up for this, because the, the shot that a few people brought up, and it was the shot that was in my mind as well, and then, Jeremy, I'm curious if you have any other contenders, was um, Game 7 uh, Eastern Conference semifinals against Miami, the series I referenced earlier. Um, minute 20 to go, Patrick Ewing... Um, 
dunks the ball to put the Knicks back up one after Tim Hardaway Jr. had just hit. Uh, t- I always do that after Tim Hardaway Sr. <laughs> had just hit it. Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't think it was either. He wasn't born. He was very young. Uh, Tim Hardaway had just hit a three to um, give uh, give the heat back the lead. Uh, and then, yeah, Ewing put him up and no points were scored in the final 80 seconds of that game. You have to go back at least to that point for me. I don't think they're all due respect to the Julia shot, all due respect to Linsanity, the, the the game winner in Toronto. A um, couple people brought up some like shots against the Celtics in the playoffs and maybe in 2013. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. What is there like? Do you think it's the, the, the best shot since 99? What, what say you? I do. And I don't think that should take away any of the great shots we've seen since then in the 24 years. We play for this, right? Or not we, but the, like the players play for this. We watch. That's we, a good line. No, no. We play, we play for this. We play for this. Yeah. <laughs> you and me, scenario computers. We, that's what we do. Like that's where legends are made. It's in the playoffs. And Linsanity, incredible run, right? We could talk about that. We could talk about Melo's Easter shot. We could talk about Julius's shot. I mean, there's so many others that I'm leaving out that were just great. David Lee tipping was a lot of fun. Like all of these fun. different memories that have that that would evoke good feelings. But this is this is a satisfying one in a way that was, you know, you lose a game in, in the 82, there's always the next one. It, it, like sometimes there isn't always the next one, especially when your back's against the wall. But generally speaking, the vast majority of these games, you're still in it and you have a chance. Every possession counts in the playoffs. Every single one. And so to see this one, when you're down, suddenly you've coughed up a lead when you were up by double digits. And they go, you know, the Cavs are laying out on the floor and making high effort plays and tipping the ball in off offensive rebounds, all of that. It's just this shot. Because I I shudder to think about if that had missed. What happens after that? Right, I know I mean, like, what the happens. Not, they don't win the game. <laughs> well, we. I don't, I don't know about win. that, but but the beauty of it, we don't even have to really decide about it. We don't have to think. No, we don't have to Like the good lord, the Knicks won the game because he made the shot. But if he hadn't hit the shot, I know my stomach's churning a bit. And then if they do lose, we're having a different conversation. This entire pod is. Oh my! He had it. It was right there. But guess what? We don't have to discuss that. We don't. We don't have and to that is it. why, to me because of the significance of the playoffs and that shot and the beauty of it. I hope that that is the least impactful big shot that the Knicks have this postseason, right? Cause then that would mean that there was at least one more 99 had two of them. So yeah, you know, so we'll see, uh, but that, it'd be that nice was if they don't, for me. if they, it'd be nice if they don't need another shot of that nature to win the series. Something tells me they will need at least one more of that nature, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, it'll, <clears throat> It'll be the biggest shot since 99 um, for at least another 24 hours after we're, we're done recording this or 30. Uh, no, sorry. It's Sunday night. So we have a little, a little while. We have four, 48 hours, right? Mm-hmm. Losing track of my days here. Um, hush, hush your mouth, Andrew. I won't even say what he just put in the chat. Okay. Uh, two more topics and then we're going to get out you of here. You can't say I you won't say, say what <laughs> you, you said. That. I'm read saying. something and then not. <laughs> My only pushback to the notion of this is that it's game one. It has a chance to be the biggest shot since 99, but like you had to go look up those details of game seven, the Ewing shot, right? Like you yeah. didn't remember the Ewing shot that put him up? No, I remember the Ewing shot. I remember the exact time, but I remember, I remember the shot. Made it 84-83. I remember the last minute and a half was nigh. They, there weren't any points scored, and it ended on a Clarence Weatherspoon jumper that missed and then a, a Spreewell rebound and a timeout. Point being, like the sh- actual shot of the Josh Hart flipping the game. Yes. It has a chance to be if they end up winning the series because it turned the game around. Yes. But like, what if they lose in five? Is oh, but, but we're talking about in this moment, right? I, we're not moment. talking about with the hindsight. Now, yes. I, I just... It, but that's these the question. things need to age, I guess. Since no, they don't. No, they do not. Since that you has were, happened, what in happened in right 2012? Now. What what did the Knicks season amount to in 2012? 
But there wasn't a shot that was nearly as big. It was to the not. Level yeah, that I agree with was that. There. There was yes, shot, the Jeremy Lin shot you just mentioned is what in I'm the playoffs. Andrew? Season, no, is there a playoff shot. You're right. Jeremy, exactly. So my talking, point is that we remember that shot for how great it was. Not. But we're not saying they what it meant to the season shot. or anything like that. We're saying that impactfully this in this moment when we're looking at this shot that Josh Hart took was the biggest shot that we have seen since, in what is my opinion, 1999. And I share Jeremy's opinion. So that means you're wrong, Andrew. And yes, and we, we go by the democratic process here. Sorry. That's oh, sorry. Popular, I'm being waved off election now. Wins mm-hmm. out here. That said, speaking of needing to age, uh, one more shout out uh, to my friends at one Bev rusty cigar, finishing off the bottle tonight. Um, it ages. It ages like a fine wine. Um, hopefully the shot will as well. Uh, okay. Last two topics and we'll get out of here. God, I don't, I don't even. Can we skip this topic? I guess we can. All right. Uh, Andrew has, he did write a little bit of an outline here. And the words I am reading are the RJ Barrett Rorschach, Rorschach test. Um, so, again, Rorschach, we've mentioned on this pod before. It's where you look at a blotchy, blotchy blotch of ink and say, that's a butterfly or that's a serial killer uh, stabbing his mother, whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to ask you, what what did you see when you watched RJ Barrett play basketball last night? I saw That's the correct answer. Uh, I saw I saw <laughs> I don't want to sound like a centrist here. I saw good things and I saw some not so good things, but th- like exceptional podcast. <laughs> right. It's just a, a way of words that I have. But th- th- just to take a step back from it before I get more into my train yeah. thought. The Rorschach I think is the perfect comp for this because when I went online Afterwards, you know, like oh. later at night, why? early in the morning. Why? Would why? You why? Because I was genuinely curious what other people saw. It wasn't going to impact how I viewed it, but I just was curious. And it just it very much felt like and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, but it felt like people saw what they wanted to see, which is then where the Rorschach comes into play. Again, like I thought the shooting, the shot didn't fall and that was a problem. Right. But then he was able to. Have some impacts early in the game, very early game. I thought he was tremendous. And then I thought he let go of the rope a bit. Uh, I loved what he did guarding Darius Garland. Garland only took one shot. He made it. But in, I think it was like seven minutes of action, RJ was on Garland. Mm-hmm. What I didn't love was the fact that the Cavs scored 37 points as a team when RJ was matched up with Garland, which was the second most of any of the one V one matchups that we have seen. So he did a nice job of neutralizing Garland, but the team's impact as a whole defensively, it it struggled. And you know, that's like, like, again, we could talk about, okay, well maybe like some of the effort plays, I didn't think they were the best. He also wound up with five deflections. That was the most in the entire game for either team. We're talking about a Knicks team that ranked dead last in deflections in the NBA this past season. So that's where I really struggle. It's yes, on paper, first thing you see, there's a lot of ugly RJ, but then there's some beauty that's in the ugliness and we have to consider that. So that's that's where I'm very conflicted. But overall, I would say, you know, if you had to say one to 10, one being... That was egregious. Ten being that was a masterpiece. I'm at a four, right? And I and I I didn't love the pick and roll options that he also had as well defensively. Uh, but there was enough offense and the playmaking that I'm just like it it juices it up a bit where you're you're not quite at break even, but you're close. But if someone says no, no, you're wrong. He was better than that. And if someone says no, no, you're wrong. He was worse than that. Which I guarantee you would absolutely happen to people who are listening to this. Mm-hmm. I get it. I completely get where you're coming from. It, it it doesn't feel objective. It feels subjective in a sport where objectivity is so important. And I just, it's hard for me to piece it together. That's the bottom line. I can't possibly give a better answer than that. Um, I'm sure you can. That, no, <laughs> I, I, no, you, you nailed everything. And like the thing I, I do want to just, I feel like I have to, go out of my way to agree with you on is there is a sentiment amongst RJ's biggest supporters where it's like, well, why are you only focusing on the two for 12? What about all the other stuff, which is not fair when 
you brought up the couple of instances where it sure looked like there were some effort plays to be had there, dive on the floor, get a loose ball in the first half that were not made. I went back and I, I didn't rewatch. I rewatched pretty much the whole game, but like not with a fine tooth comb, but just as I was going back and rewatching, like um, there was a Jared, uh, Jared Allen offensive rebound um, late. Uh, it was one of the, I forget which, which it was one that it was in the fourth quarter. It was the last five minutes, of the fourth quarter. And like RJ, it was a, it was a broken play and like guys were rotating and I'm, it wasn't like RJ was like, that was clearly his men to box out, but he was the nearest Nick and two, three feet away from him is, is Josh Hart and his nearest player on the, in a cabbage uniform is Evan Mobley. And there's Hart jumping. I mean, as you know, as, as high as he could jump, uh, trying like hell and he's not able to get to it, but he's given it everything he has because there's not a, a loose ball that, that Josh Hart, like he, he doesn't know how to ignore a ball that is in air, that is not in somebody's hands. And sometimes even when it is in somebody's hands, now that's a special quality. But when you're looking at these two things side by side and one player is doing this and there's RJ, He's, I mean, I hate to say this, but this is literally what happened. He's kind of like escorting uh, Jared Allen to the rim. He's, he's like, yeah, he literally has his hand in his back, pushing him towards the basket. I don't know why, but like he didn't get in the scrum. Um, it's stuff like that. And then like, again, there's stuff that doesn't show up on the box score. He had a really nice opportunity. One-on-one uh, Darius Garland was guarding him. I want to say this was in the first half and Garland just pokes the ball away. And it goes out of bounds. And it's it's Nick Ball again. Uh, but there's four seconds left on the shot clock. And it was I this may jog my memory of when it was because it's then when Julius got the ball in the corner and ended up driving baseline and put a shot that went like over the backboard. But again, there was like four seconds left on the clock. But like, so that doesn't show up in the box score. But that's an instance where RJ had an opportunity, had the mismatch, tried to make something happen. Nothing happened. So it's like it's it's I think it's unfair to just boil it down. Now, everybody's going to hear that who's a big supporter of RJ and be like, well, why don't you highlight the uh, several other things that other players do that don't show up in the box score? And again, all of this is relative. It's all it needs to be taken in context, um, because when you take it all in context, there is a more complete picture of what these other players are able to do than what RJ is able to do. And because he did do some very nice things in other areas of the game, that's a very big bonus. And it is why nobody should be killing him today. But the fact is if Quentin Grimes starts making some shots and Emmanuel quickly, like slows down, like downshifts a, a couple gears and gets into his usual flow, like I'll go back to the sentiment that was that existed before the series that we talked about and that other people talked about, which is like, what what minutes should RJ Barrett be playing exactly? He's gonna play some minutes, but like, so I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question, but that's that's the best I got. No, it was well said, and I you know the counter could be as well. You know, you say if IQ or if Grimes starts hitting shots, if RJ hits those shots, he, uh, absolutely, like he belongs in it too. So, uh, and, and you know, like. My first game ball went to Josh Hart. Well, Donovan Mitchell torched Josh Hart. Seven of 13 shooting. So it's not like it, there, but but you live with that, right? You live with yeah. that because the Knicks did a, a masterful job as well of sealing off a lot of the other options. And I actually, I subscribe to the idea where superstars are going to get theirs. Stars are going to get theirs, right? If the other guys are avoiding it, like how many how many misses did Okoro have in the corner? All of them. It was all to the point, yeah. right? To the point where it's just like, okay, th- this is not really an option because he's not doing anything on the offensive end, and he's not really helping out with the defense. So let's get Chetty Osman in there, who I thought was fine defensively. Brunson's just a far better offensive player than Chetty. He's a defensive player, and lo and behold, yeah. Brunson did a nice job against him. But yes, I I'm with you with everything you're saying with RJ and on to game two. All right. Um, very, very briefly, literally a sentence each before we finish up uh, a hope and a fear going into game two. Uh, I could go first cause I, I have two, two easy ones. Um, my hope is that we see this is just me. This is just my hope. My hope is that we see the version of Emmanuel quickly that we saw for pretty much this entire year, because I think they're going to need that guy to, um, 
win the series. I don't think they could win the series with Emmanuel quickly playing poorly. Um, my fear is that Evan Mobley, that that was a get, that was a, a work out the Kings game. And we're going to see a different Mobley moving forward. Um, he did not have a good game one. And I would very much hope it stays that way, but I fear that it may not. Is he going to roll it up before then? Get really swole? <laughs> that's I, otherwise, I, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's good he got manhandled by Randall on, you know, especially on the free throw lines and, and trying to get the boards. You're right. uh, I think those are great points. Uh, my hope, and this is really just a blanket one. Uh, the easy way of saying it is just the Knicks need to shoot better. The more uh, um, thinking man might say Nick shot 51.7% true shooting mm-hmm. that for context, uh, the Hornets had the worst true shooting percentage in the NBA this past season. Uh, and that was a 55%. The Knicks were 20th this past year, 57.7%. So they were woeful and they still wound up winning this game. That's why the idea that the Knicks played some of their best offense, that was their best punch, not, true at all they they struggled Cavs did a really nice job um but the Knicks just also missed a lot of shots they're shooting under 20 percent from three going to halftime so that would be one uh, and I, I'm expecting bounce back at least from hopefully one of the players that, that struggled in between RJ Grimes and quick and my fear it's it's a Mobley fear but it's not quite the same as yours it actually has to do with Mobley's defense specifically on Randall which is that Randall went seven for 20 in the game and Mobley held Randall to two of 12. So Oof. as good of a job Oof. as Randall was able to do all things considered, him being on Mobley actually did pose somewhat of a problem. So if yeah, the Knicks can find a way to switch in any way, you know, get Randall away from Mobley, I think you can open up a lot more there. I'm not as you know, famous last words. Mobley's offense doesn't worry me in, in the way it might worry you. But his defense definitely does worry me when it comes to Julius Randle. So just get him away from him and we're good. I I fear that he's going to continue to get better on both ends. Uh, And like getting comfortable in the offense will only embolden his defense. You know, I'm not ready to coordinate, but I hear you. Yeah, no, 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 not not yet. But again, if if there's a guy that I I worry about, it's him. Okay, this was great. Um, I think we covered all the bases. Um, Hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. Uh, we will be back with more funny games. I think I'm recording with Benji tomorrow. So that'll be coming your way very soon. And then, uh, of course, uh, post game show after game two. And then uh, onwards we go. Um, thanks, everybody, for checking out everything we did uh, over the last week and the last couple of days. And uh, yeah, back more funny games very soon. Peace out.